Spartans! What is your profession? Welcome to Wolverine Nation. I say what I mean, I mean what I say, and I say what needs to be said. Global leader in military combatives. 45 martial arts world titles. Renowned actor, writer, and a malicious warrior with brutally honest opinions. This may step on some people's toes. If it does, then you're a special kind of stupid. (laughs) (laughs) This is America's Sheepdog. Kicking it with the Wolverine. Well, welcome to the Legends Show, everyone. This is Wolverine, and at this time, I would like to bring in your host, Professor Gary Lee. Professor, you there, sir? Aloha, Wolverine. How are you? See you. Doing great, sir. Doing great. Osta. Well, tonight is a very special show. I get to get you in a corner, Wolverine. I get to ask you the hard questions. Some are from the emails I've gotten. Some are personal. Some I think that people just want to hear who, why, when, where, and how the Wolverine even got involved. So, yes, sir. I'm very excited to do a one-on-one interview with you tonight. And, of course, we got the voices, and we got some special, special people to advertise their events coming up. And that'll be after the second of the voices. The but third. With that said, Wolverine, I want to open up the show with saying thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, well, I got to thank Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis allowed me to adopt you years ago before he passed. And I remember I asked permission to do it. And he gave me permission. And you've been a big part of the Sport Rock Museum and my personal life since that day. So with that said, Wolverine, I want to ask you, what year did you make Black Belt? Uh, I first made Black Belt in 1982. That was in and that was in Chundaquan Taekwondo. Okay. Taekwondo. Yep. And now, then in nineteen eighty four I made black belt under Joe Lewis. And and Okay, it, now what year did you start with Joe? What I, year did you actually start with Joe Lewis? I started with Joe the Lewis in in nineteen seventy eight. Okay. And you were and, younger uh, then, weren't you? Yes, I was only nine years old. Uh, he was doing as Joe does, doing seminars. And, you know, being nine years old, I can't remember exactly all the particulars or even where I was at, uh, you know. I, but um, we were doing the seminars, and uh, my teachers had, had done that seminar, and we were sparring. And my my Taekwondo teacher put me in against a bigger kid, and the bigger kid was trying to, you know, uh, wallop me real good. And what he did is he ag- aggravated me, and so I was going after him uh, full bore, 
And my teacher was grabbing me by the back of the belt and dragging me back, and Joe was walking by, and he laughed. And when they stopped it, he called me to come over and set me up on his knee. And uh, he said, I think, he said, you want to be my helper today? And I said, yes. And he asked me what my name was, and I told him Dean. And from right then, he started going, okay, well, I'm going to call you Wolverine, Mean Dean the Wolverine. And that's what he called. He said, I liked your aggressiveness out there. And he would just laugh because I was so aggressive. Dean, wait a minute now. You're telling me that you got the name the Wolverine from the great Joe Lewis? Yeah, that that's where the nickname Wolverine come in. Cool. Well, that that is really exciting. Now, I want to ask you something that's very, very dear to your heart. You teach Marines every day. How'd that come about? Well, um, in 2009... Uh, the United States Army, through USASOC and USAFIX, was in, casting a global net looking for a combatives instructor that would be able to uh, teach a combatives program that all branches of the military could use at their new Purple School location, which was being built in Crestview, Florida. Um, and that's also part of the Eglin Air Force Base. Um, but it's a it's a you know a separate base that the army has here in Crestview, so they were looking for people. Then they they had the list really high. You needed to have at least five world titles. Uh, you needed to be an expert in weapons. You know a lot of different things. And I checked all the boxes. And when they narrowed it down, they narrowed it down between me and a guy from Japan, and he actually trains under. I'm not sure what that guy's name is, but he's the last living ninja that was actually out of the ninja clan in Japan, and he was uh-huh. one of his instructors. Yeah. So he come over here. He was a, he was supposed to be. This is one of them things where you go back and we was talking about the 13th degree black belts and stuff. I think this guy was a 13th or 15th degree black belt. Anyway, so we had to, in front of all the troops, uh, go over verbally our stuff. So we had to, uh, like, establish the warrior mindset, how we would get the guys uh, charged up, ready to go. Uh, so I give my my speech. He give his speech. Um, I said, strike hard, strike to survive, and strike to kill. He said, don't be there, get safe, uh, which did not go over well with the brass. Then the military, the Green Berets, had two weeks to try out our classes so they could go to my class one week or his class one week or half to mine, half to his, vice versa. Well, the first week, nobody went to his class. Everyone was coming to my class. We had a waiting list uh, because we couldn't get everybody in, so they were going to have to come in the second week. Uh, So he tried to video me. Um, and so that's against the law on a special forces compound to take pictures or videos. So they confiscated his camera and, uh, he went back up to group headquarters and got his camera. Well, the Colonel came down and asked him why he was videoing me. And he said, well, I, I researched that guy and I know he's an avid competitor. That's why I was surprised y'all got him in here. He said, I've just never seen anybody be able to do stand-up techniques and go to throws and then grounded techniques so smoothly without any kind of transitioning. And uh, he said, I knew his stand-up was going to be good because I know who his stand-up instructor was. And he was like, okay, who was that? He said, Joe Lewis. He said, I fought Joe Lewis in the 60s, and he broke my jaw uh, 
you know, with a technique, and he said, he broke my jaw. And so the colonel just shook his hand and said, okay, thanks for coming out. Uh, you can go ahead back to your room and start packing everything up and uh, see headquarters. They'll get your plane tickets back to Japan. And so they flew him back to Japan, and that was the last we seen him. And then so I took over the combatives program, training all of the military. So we trained the Marines, the Navy SEALs, the Green Berets, Army Rangers, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, well, it is, but they have to be they have to be a special forces one unit. That answers one of the questions that was sent to me in email. Now, you've done an incredible job at building one of the strongest karate schools in Florida. Now, what year did you open your school? Now, uh, I opened my first karate school uh, as soon as I got back in 1992. Uh, we started that the later on that year we opened and we opened finally opened the big big school. We had uh, forty five thousand square feet. We rented out the old Winn Dixie building in Mount Air, North Carolina, and we opened our first school there. And uh, you know we kept competing and uh, doing stuff like that. Obviously with the NBL, and at that time uh, we had the largest sport karate team on the circuit with sixty nine competing members. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Um, no, and yeah, I'm gonna get there now. I want to go okay. back to the school. What do you teach? Okay, you advertise on your telephone. You teach 17 martial arts. Explain that. What do you teach? At right, school? right. Well, okay, so. It's pretty simple. We we teach Chundaquan, Taekwondo, and Hopkido. Most most Taekwondo schools will teach teach a you know a Hopkido as part of their curriculum. Uh, so we teach Taekwondo, Hopkido, Shotokan Karate, uh, and so with with the Shotokan Karate and doing with the, with the uh, Joe Lewis stuff, we got into the 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 different Okinawan styles with the Gojo Ru and the Shorn Ru and the Water Ru. Um, so we was doing that and the Ishinru karate because, you know, Shonru and Ish, um, Gojuru and Shonru make Ishinru. So we were working with the Ishinru stuff. So we started doing this, and I realized the more I trained in all these different areas, the better fighters my people would be. So when we went to competition, no matter who lined up against us, one, we could see what kind of patch they're wearing so we'd know what kind of school they were from so we knew what kind of fighting style they were going to have. So right. we knew how to work around their fighting style. Then we was then to, with uh, Osensei Earwood, Japanese Okinawa weapons, so we were doing all the weapons and, and sword work. Um, and then with Joe Lewis and the kickboxing, we started out doing kickboxing with the Joe Lewis kickboxing. But when I first black belted under Joe Lewis, it wasn't even about kickboxing. And it was mainly about street fighting. It was the uh, Joe Lewis American karate system. Uh, okay. So it, that that's what it, that that's what it was to start with. And Joe didn't start the kickboxing stuff until 2000. Um, but in 1999 was his last year pretty much of doing the Joe Lewis American Karate System. However, he would still rank us guys that were already in that system then, and it was then that he gave me, I got 8th Dan then under that, and then he started. we started just doing the focusing on the kickboxing. But back well, to um, well, our karate school, we would do the Muay Thai and then the, the Sanda, which is the Chinese kickboxing with throws, and then we did Jiu-Jitsu because of Michael DePasquale. So we did Jiu-Jitsu, Greco-Roman 
and wrestling, and we did judo because at the time we had judo had 40 throws. Um, so we did all 40 throws. We had all that we, we, we worked with the judo because we did a lot of MMA competitions, but at that time it wasn't even called MMA. We just called it no holes barred fighting. Um, so that, that's how it all led around okay, to, uh, teach, you know, doing all the stuff. Styles in many ways for the average person to come in and train. Now, because Dean, I've got, listen to me, I had like 25 questions and I narrowed them down. So listen to me. I'm excited about all the people that responded to the fact I was there. Right. So, so I'll just finish with that saying that what we did is I finally just took the best of the techniques with Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis's guidance. We took the best of the techniques, similar to what uh, Bruce Lee was doing and what Joe was doing in the Joe Lewis American Karate Systems, and he had also called that at one time the Joe Lewis Self Defense. Uh, systems but um what i did was we took the best of techniques we weeded out anything that was stupid or that wasn't going to work and we blended it in and that's when later on in years uh back before or right about the time joe got sick he told me i need to put a name on it and not call it joe lewis anything because people would be trying to steal my stuff and and we knew there was going to be a big riot and people was going to be rushing, trying to capitalize on making money off his name and stuff like that. So that's when we come stop, up with naming right it Piles there. Valley Tudo because yeah. Valley Tudo hey, means anything hey, goes. Hey, stop. i got to ask. Yes. How do you feel about people capitalizing on the great Joe name? How do you feel about that? Well, you know, it, it's really aggravating, and it really aggravates me to no end. And, and we all know, uh, anybody that knows me, they know that I'm an A-type personality. They know that I'm aggressive. I got a lot of energy. Um, and that was the same thing Joe did. And, you know, since Joe's passing, I've not done anything trying to say, hey, uh, come train with me because I trained with Joe Lewis. I tell people when they get here, okay, I learned this from Joe Lewis. But a lot of people, they their their claim to fame or their claim to being good is saying they trained with somebody good. Well, you can train with somebody that's an excellent instructor and not do anything with those techniques. That doesn't mean you're as good as that instructor, if you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And, I, and since, since Joe's passing – Everybody that I know, except for like Mr. Smith and people like that, that is that is in the Joe Lewis organizations, any type of Joe Lewis organizations, anything affiliated with that, has asked for a promotion of some kind, except for the Wolverine. Because I don't ask for promotions because I don't want a promotion from anybody else in Joe Lewis's stuff. I got my well, promotion uh, of where I'm at in the Joe Lewis stuff, and that that's good enough. Museum History General. To recognize your knife, Don, and we appreciate that. But you know what? I want to ask you about your incredible daughters. I know one of them even made it to ADT, America's Got Talent. Let's talk about your two incredible daughters. Okay. Yeah, I got three incredible daughters. So, uh, first of all, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. I actually got four total. I've actually got four total. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you're letting out secrets. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I know it. Uh, well, I so my, my first right. daughter, yeah, yeah. Uh, my first daughter, Alex, uh, she's my oldest, Alex Piles. 
Um, you know, we started competing with her when she was little. Uh, we got pictures of her when Joe gave me my last, you know, my promotion, not my last promotion, but had given me a promotion to 8th Dan, Don um, in Mount Air, North Carolina in 1999, sometime around September, October. But she was only one then, but she was already working stuff. So we started taking her to competition. So she went to the American uh, Freestyle Competition uh, in by that Jeff McGregor has, you know, that's a big competition in Virginia. And she was only four and a half years old. And, and you know, then the NBL, because that competition was NBL tournament in self-defense, you competed against anybody from red or brown belt all the way down to yellow, all age groups in self-defense. Well, she won that very first self-defense competition and that started it. Uh, started her really wanting to do stuff. So then when we went to the spring open at Johnny Holbrooks, which is a, one of my best friends that had passed away, uh, she decided she wanted to do all the divisions. So she got in and did creative weapons, musical weapons, all that, and won them all at Johnny Holbrooks' competition. So the the points had already been going on for the ISKL, uh, you know, that Boyce was having. So we went in on a wild card with the self-defense, and uh, she beat the reigning champions, which was um, Jeremy Elliott's uh, student. And Jeremy Elliott and them had been dominating force in the uh, self-defense yeah, division. And Alex, yeah, well, Alex and I, Alex and I, come in that year and uh, and beat beat Jeremy's student that was five-time reigning champion. Uh, they were fourteen or fifteen years old at the time. And Alex was five years old at the time. She won that division in self-defense, blew everybody away, had every judge saying that she needed to be on banners and posters everywhere because she was just like me, very intense. And then I beat Jeremy for the adult division. And then that went on until we did America's Got Talent. So Alex's first year competing, uh, she won 69 first place before taking a second. The second year competing, she won 129 first. And the third year competing in the NBL, she won 169 uh, first place in competing. And then we went on to uh, do America's Got Talent, which was an amazing thing. And so what happened is they come to us and ask us if we if we go on for the winner of the show and take the million dollars, then we would have to sign a contract to perform in Planet Hollywood um, uh, every night. And, you know, that's in Las Vegas. And uh, the Wolverines' first trip to Las Vegas, you know, we was excited because, you know, we'd never been to Las Vegas. You know, we just lived in the mountains. Uh, so we go down there, and these guys are on the street. And, of course, I have uh, my daughters with me. So these guys pop this cards, and then they hand my daughters these uh, cards that had uh, people that were unclothed on it. So the Wolverine does what the Wolverine does and instantly grabs this dude and slams him into a wall so hard it busted the back of his head. Uh, the cop showed up, and they didn't arrest me because we were there to do America's Got Talent, but they told me that as long as they pop those cards, if we look at them, they're legally able to give us a card. I said, yeah, we well, don't say that on any brochure, and they give it to my daughter. So they was like, we understand, so they let me go. But uh, I just decided then that we did not want to be raising uh, my daughters in Las Vegas where they couldn't go outside, so they said they could – 
take us off of the show, and then we would be the runners up, but we would be going to um, right into the movie. So they they give us the well, top agent in uh, Hollywood that, that's, that's as our agent. That's incredible. Now I gotta ask you, the new movie production company. Tell me about what you're doing. The production. Company. Okay. All right, hang on, hang on. Look, my my daughters will be mad if I don't get the other oh, two. So I'll real fast, knock him out. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So so Holly, Holly, my my second oldest, she done the demo at your at your event. Uh, at three years old, she come in second in SKIL in sparring, and she was the eleven and under champion for creative weapons, musical weapons, all that type stuff, uh, empty hand, and all that. And she won the state championship that year in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. She now runs uh, our Virginia school. She's one of the main instructors doing all that. And then Kira is the youngest, and she won the NASCA national championship in fighting and also won BAM's world title when he did the sport MMA for kids. She won the world title in that also. So all my and, – and Kira trains with me here helping teach the people here in uh, Florida. And Alex also is now here in Florida uh, helping me do that. Well, amazing, uh, amazing. So all my kids are involved with it. Amazing ladies. Yep. Make sure you tell them so, I so with So now I want to ask you I, I will. And all of them are last defense instructors. I want to ask you about so, your new movie production company, which you're working with, got about the coward, and you're working with Tom Spellman, and you're going to help create a movie for the Four Cry Museum. Tell me about the new movie production company. Yeah, so we decided, uh, you know, we were filming The Coward, and then when you start working in with Hollywood, I've done several movies in Hollywood a lot of people don't even uh, know about because when you're on the backside and and you're doing body double work and and stuff like that, a lot of the big-time actors want you to sign non-disclosures. You can ask Mark D'Alessandro about that because he couldn't say anything about being Sylvester Stallone's stunt double until his uh, statute was up so he could uh, start talking about that. But they do that because they don't want it. So we've done a lot of movies. But by doing that, I they realize they, they waste a lot of money. Uh, they do stuff that, you know, as far as wasting the money. We didn't want to be wasting money. And uh, just to be honest with you, you know, uh, a lot of those Hollywood people are just downright creepy. And uh, we I just didn't want my kids to be involved with any of those type people. So what we did is we started our own production company. Um, to start filming movies, and now we have we have better cameras than a lot of the the main Hollywood, or at least equal to any of the main Hollywood cameras, because we have the 8K cameras. Um, so we have them. We started a production company and started filming The Coward and uh, a couple other movies. And yes, we're going to be doing the movie uh, for the Sport Karate History Museum, and we gotta because we have to turn that into a script. Uh, so once we get that turned into a script, then we can do that. And then our next thing will be to film a short to start raising money to uh, film the full-length feature film for the uh, sport karate um, thing for the museum. And so what we've done now is, yeah, we've got everything in place. It's Eight Angry Spartans production. Um, and, yeah, we're just we're rocking and rolling okay. and doing things. We got uh, – we got some sets to get ready to build here because we, we're getting ready to film another movie right here at the end of August or right about the end of August. Okay, the Wolverine Nation, which we're a part of. Tell me about your vision about Wolverine Nation. I know you do the kicking with the Wolverine. You do the Legends show, 
And I know you do a tactical show with my Uncle Paris Kelly, and you want to do a like an Indian culture show with Karen Herdman. For, well, what? we do we do native talk with with Karen and I. We, we do native talk. Um, yeah, and we'll be and we'll be doing that here soon. She's been busy, so, so we'll be starting that soon. Um, and she's also going to be a guest on, you know, Wolverine Nation. Um, but, yeah, so with the Wolverine Nation radio podcast, um, we were doing uh, – everyone had asked me a long time ago. We started doing, a, like, a little Facebook video blog, and we would only do, like, five minutes. And I stopped doing it for a while, and then started, people started texting me, emailing me, wanting me to do it. So we decided uh, once Facebook and stuff started censoring people – we wanted to go on and, and do something different, so we decided to start our own platform uh, because, you know, like on a lot of other radio shows, they want to censor you and what to say. And the thing of it is, if you can't just speak real talk, then you need to shut yeah. up. Uh, that's 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 the Wolverine's motto. You know, you can't sugarcoat everything and tiptoe around stuff and try to please everybody uh, just, just out of the sake of, you know, because some sometimes when you do that, you just that leads to bad things because you're having to lie to people. You know, and uh, I want to make sure that people just know this is the way something is. This is the way it is, and you know, some things you have to just say. You know, and you, you'd always like to ask Wolverine questions. Uh, you know, I'm very patriotic. I love this country. So when you ask me a question that involves that, then I'm going to sound off about it. And if, you know, your politics is different to mine, then, you know, it, it makes people's feelings hurt. But I can't help that. They I, Everybody still has a right to say what they want. I don't care what they say. They can say what they well, want. You know, uh, but I'm going to say what I want. One of your biggest fans is in the pool hall. You shoot the pool. You know, we're talking about rambling cousin Eddie. He asked me to kind of cover for him tonight. So I wanted to ask you a special question from Radman Cousin Eddie. Do you want to do that now well, or you want, want to wait till after the voices have a question have... from Radman Cousin Eddie before I bring on the voice. Okay. The question is Okay. Since you're such a badass, why the out and how did you win twenty no thirty no forty over forty world titles in sport karate. How did you do that? That's one of the things that well, well my back how the hell did you do that? My background my background's in full contact fighting and stuff with MMA and uh kickboxing before MMA was really popular. Um but you know I started competing in the NBL and NASCA and uh just started winning and uh so I figured, hey, we're we're winning, so we're just going to do it. Um, anything I do, I put a lot of hard work into. A lot of people will say they're going to go compete, but they only train a couple hours a day in the afternoon or a couple times a week. Uh, I don't. When I compete, I do it as a martial arts athlete because I run a martial arts school full-time. So my day would start out with – you know, workouts on working to build power and speed, uh, using weight training, cardio conditioning training, making sure my diet was right, things of that nature. And I would work maybe the first half 
of a kata, the first three moves of the kata, it's like you would tell me, and just work those three moves maybe for a solid week. So I would work on a, a kata for a month, getting ready for a competition, and break it down into increments so that each time I did that kata, I was putting maximum power and speed and intensity into each and every move, the same as fighting. I always thought fighting was easier uh, because you don't have to be worried about, you know, the precision of the technique quite as much as you do well, when you're I doing katas and you're under that microscope. Years ago, we talked about breaking things down and putting it together and making it even stronger. Yeah. Now, I'll tell, I'll tell right. Randy because he answered the question very interestingly. Now, I'm going to give the talking stick back over to you, Wolverine, and you're going to be able to introduce the incredible segment I have called The Voices. So with that said, the talking stick back over to you, Wolverine. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Well, Professor, at this time, uh, we will bring on the segment, The Voices, and hear what they have to say. It's always interesting to hear uh, that panel and uh, all the knowledge that you've put together in that group. So, Professor, at this time, I'm going to give you the talking stick back, and you can bring on the first voice. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a few years back, I had a chance to be able to put incredible people within America on a radio show. And the Wolverine Nation has allowed us, allowed us to do that. Now, I'm going to have two incredible voices, and then we're going to go into a, I, I don't want to call it a commercial break. I'm going to introduce a few people that I support through the Sport Card Museum. But the first person of the voices, he is really an incredible individual. He is the web designer of the Sport Karate Museum. He is the reason, or one of the reasons, that we have had over 4,000 visitors at the www.sportkaratemuseumarchives.com webpage. He's got incredible vision. He's a professor, a 10th degree black belt. And just a really, really wise man. I call him Bretta, but he is known as Professor Tom Thelman. Professor, are you there, sir? Yes, thank you very much, Gary. Well, Professor, or Max, I'm going to call you Tom. May I tell you Tom, please? Of course. Okay, Tom. Just don't call me late to dinner. We're talking about... <laughs> legacy and the responsibility of one's duty if they're giving the responsibility to keep one's legacy or a group's legacy alive through history. So with that said, Professor Tom Spellman on legacy. Go ahead, sir. All right. The term legacy refers to something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor or from the past. It can also reference a long-lasting impact of particular events, actions, and things that took place in the past as well or of a person's life. In other words, something of great worth that has been bequeathed to someone for safekeeping and to manage its perpetuation in honor and appreciation of its entrustments to the receiver, 
or the awardee. Frankly, legacy is such a vitally important subject that um, has guided and influenced me for 67 years of my life in so many ways that I fear that I will attempt to share tonight, uh, but it will be woefully inadequate in my mind uh, for what I, I feel about it. But here goes. The early 1960s commission from Shimabukuro Izo, uh, 10th Don, head of the Rendokan and the Shobayashi Shorinru Karate-do of Okinawa, Japan. My first uh, Shorinru instructor, Thomas White, had begun his instruction under Grandmaster Shimabukuro while stationed in Okinawa as a Marine during the Vietnam uh, War Tour. When his time overseas had come to an end, Shimabukuro-sensei accompanied him to the uh, airport or the base and handed my sensei a slip of paper on which there was a handwritten Japanese kanji image and it was pronounced yukinju. It translates to mean receiving water and is associated <clears throat> with a celebrated sacred spring in Okinawa. My sensei eventually returned safely home and did as he was instructed was that uh, he was to take this seed, that kanji, and bring it home and plant it deep, which sensei uh, Shimabuto had commissioned him to do. Well, uh, I, I became the seed of that planting, as are my students and those that they teach in turn. I refer to what I teach today as Yukinjuru Budo, the uh, warrior way of the receiving water style. This is the legacy that I have served religiously for over 56 years. Today in my dojo, on my kamiza, the spirit altar of my lineage, my father's picture, who was my first instructor in jiu-jitsu starting in 1956, is prominently featured, displayed alongside it are the pictures of my three other prominently honored teachers, Thomas White, 10th Don, Soki Jerry Smith, my uh, two karate uh, do instructors, and my Kempo Grandmaster Robert Leonard, 10th Don. Like a halo above the commies are the pictures of my teachers' teachers as well. Absent is my picture in any of the dojo except that of a few pictures uh, of my senior students and sometimes myself with my teachers on another wall far from the Kamiza, for I serve their legacy, which I am honored and blessed to do so. The lack of my picture is by design because I have in my professional teaching career of 54 years dedicated my teaching and efforts to solely honor my teachers, their legacy of what they have entrusted me with and to labor to guarantee its intact survival beyond my lifetime, full stop. Until the time comes that I take my journey to the celestial dojo, it is all about my senses, their arts, their sacrifices, their innovations, and their inspirational stories and wisdom that I dutifully pass on to my deshi, my students, for they are the seed-bearing fruit from whom I, I have transmitted it and whom I cherish. Then and only them may they choose to include me in the kamiza as merely a link in the chain which I hold up to the world in honor and thankfulness. This may not be the way, but it is my way. Aho. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. And thank you for your wisdom. Every week on The Voices. Now, with that said, I want to bring on someone that you mentioned, and he is, well, he's our hero. He's an American hero. He's a Marine, a 3 black belt, the founder or co-founder of the Black Karate Federation, better known as the BKF. 
We'll be honoring him October 6th in Houston, Texas, and his incredible career that he's given the sport across the community. And with that said, we call him Uncle on this show because he's Ohana. But his name is Jerry Smith. Uncle Jerry, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I certainly am. Well, good to hear your voice, sir. Now, legacy. I know that. I know that. You know when he carried the legacy of the great Joe Lewis because he helped you. You also traded Okinawa. But I want to talk about your legacy, Uncle Jerry. What you've given and what you want to give to the people who doesn't know what you've done. So we got two parts to this question. One, how do you feel about the legacy that you've been given to keep Joe Joe's legacy alive? And then your legacy, Uncle Jerry Smith. What do you want to leave for your legacy? Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Smith. Thank you, thank you. Well, when it comes to uh, my, I go before I even start. When I was uh, listening to the Wolverine saying that he was ten years old, sitting on Joe Lewis's knee, that blew my <laughs> mind because it makes me realize how old I actually am. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I'm just like absolutely, and I was it was really wonderful listening to him talk about what he does. And um, anyway, back to my my legacy, being a young Marine and getting a chance to study on Okinawa under my sensei and coming back to uh, um, uh, America and uh, being stationed in Long Beach and being a naval investigator for the Marine Corps. Uh, it was very interesting, very interesting time. And at the same time, I got a chance to meet, this is the late 60s, to meet the great Joe Lewis. And uh, because I love to fight, I've always been just a basic fighter from my heart. That's what I love to do all, all these years. And I uh, asked him if he would teach me, and he said yes. He was in the process of making one of the, I think it was one of the Matt Helm movies. Uh, with Dean, Mar- Dean Martin and uh, Chuck Norris, uh, Bruce Lee, and Ed Parker. And, uh, he, you know, because I like to fight, and he loved my fighting spirit, same as he did with Wolverine, because uh, I, I would fight a mailbox and send it flowers the next day. I mean, I just love to fight. And, uh, uh, and I'm this skinny kid. And he uh, accepted me, and I started to go, started going up and, uh, Laurel Canyon at Nathaniel Brandon's uh, house and studying with him. And uh, the information that he gave me, because I was a traditionalist. I started on Okinawa, and I really wanted him to know just how that I was from the rock, and I knew what, you know. And he just kind of smiled at me and uh, said, Jerry, if you uh, uh, try to – Fight me from that stance. It's totally immobile. I'll kick you completely across to the other side of the pool. And he looked at my scroungy little body and went, come here. And he took me into the kitchen and made me a protein drink. And so you've got to start taking better care of yourself. 
<laughs> and you need to actually, uh, if you, you know, there's levels to this game, and if you truly want to be good at it, you have to train like a professional athlete. That was the beginning of my uh, martial art fighting career. And uh, Joe taught me uh, 25 basic fighting principles that he was uh, – when he was working with uh, Bruce Lee, I think. Now, who created – who came up with what techniques? I'll leave that up to speculation. I know what Joe gave me. And within a year of working with him, uh, I was rated in the top five in my weight division. As a fighter, and uh, and 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 won a lot of championships. And uh, uh, Joe uh, talked to the Tracy brothers. They gave me a school on the East Coast. And my whole career, uh, kind of fun. I was a teacher. I was a trainer. Uh, I've I, you know I've coached uh, several uh, world champions. And I had one of my fighters. I had a fighter that beat Bill Wallace. I'm, I'm talking about in competition karate. Uh, in uh, uh, when Bill was undefeated, uh, John Towns, and I had another fight, fighter that fought Bill Wallace in uh, Las Vegas for the middleweight championship of the world, and it was televised. And uh, the funny thing about this, I have to share with you, is that no one knows who I am. I'm just this crazy little guy that loves to fight that Joe Lewis took under his wing, right? So, uh, and Joe. Uh, I called me up on the phone because he would tease uh, uh, Bill Wallace. He's a, you know, you know, Bill. I trained Jerry. Jerry trained this guy. This guy's really and and uh, <laughs> Bill Wallace was. I was in college at the time. Bill Wallace would call me and ask me about my fighter. Like this guy. Remember, Jerry? We're just saying this is just a match. But anyway, my fighter fought uh, Bill Wallace and 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 lost lost, but. During that match, okay, I got my fighter, Joe, you know, I look over in, in uh, Bill Wallace's corner. Uh, his corner consisted of Joe Lewis, Chuck Norris, and Mike Stone. And I'm, and I'm looking up, man, look who's in his corner. And Jim Harrison was the referee. So it was well, really listen, interesting. Listen, listen, Uncle Jerry Smith, yeah, speaking yeah. of Mike Stone. Mike Stone is coming in this October when we do your tribute. I know the BKF is recognizing, or one of the organizations, recognizing Mike Stone for his 10th degree plot bill. Now, I want to ask you on the air, why? Who is Mike Stone to you? Mike Stone is everything to me because being a West Coast uh, boy and uh, uh, guy. Uh, when he started his four seasons tournament, I was a big part of of that. And I actually, that's when he was uh, with Priscilla Presley. And uh, uh, and when he was that Elvis's wife, Priscilla Presley. Are you talking about Elvis's wife, right? That's the only one. That's the only one. <laughs> yes. And I. Uh, you know, I don't want to be putting people's stuff in the street, but uh, Ed Parker told me we. Were, I was talking to Ed, Ed Parker about it. How did how did that you know how did that come about? Because that's that's Mike's life, and you know, I mean, that's up that's up him. He's a very amazing, wonderful man. 
And uh, 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 Ed Parker told me that he, uh, that Elvis, he was training Elvis, and Elvis wanted uh, someone to teach Priscilla because they had uh, had moved to to Beverly Hills. And uh, and so he recommended Chuck Norris, and Chuck was busy opening up school, so he uh, recommended Mike Stone. And uh, and so on and so forth. And I, I actually I knew them both. We actually went out to a movie to, uh, together. Uh, and uh, I actually they were at the movies, and I was in the line. And, they, and uh, I think Benny was with them. And he looked back and went, "Sure, come up here." And I came up. And I, I, just, I, I just love the man. He's a wonderful, wonderful human being. Cool, cool. Well, listen, Uncle Jerry, you have a great evening, and I'll talk to you real soon, I promise. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, the great Jerry Smith. Good thank night. You, thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Now, you know, we've got a couple of great sponsors, and we'll my dear friend Karen Flasher and David Chambers. I'm going to give the talkie stick back over to Wolverine. And he's going to get the talking stick back over to myself and Tom Spellman. Wolverine! <laughs> what a show. Now, Yes, sir. I always enjoy listening to Mr. Smith, too, so <laughs> it's good. Me, me and exactly. him could just do a show just talking back exactly. and forth now, about, about Joe and stuff. Back, um, and I want Tom to talk a little bit about the Fort Crowley Museum webpage. And then I've got two or three sponsors that I want to bring on. And then we'll bring Karen and David Chambers that will finish out the voice. Okay, Wolverine, go ahead, buddy. All right. Yes, sir. So at this time, we would like to bring on uh, Mr. Spellman to tell everyone about the web page and how they can utilize it to get the most out of their web page experience with the Sport Karate Museum. So, Mr. Spellman, the talking stick is yours, sir. First of all, everybody, you know, if you haven't heard about it now, uh, keep in mind that what you want to do is you want to go ahead and go on uh, to um, the computer uh, or your phone, go to www.sportkaratemuseumarchives.com, and there you're going to find the Sports Karate Museum with all its material, all its informative material, entertaining material. Uh, We have specific pages. For instance, we have one of the popular ones right now is the Treasures of the Sport Karate Museum. These are incredible, one-of-a-kind memorabilia and things that have been bequeathed to uh, Professor Gary Lee and the museum to protect and to be able to keep the history alive of the the karate uh, and uh, all the other martial arts associated that the museum uh, chronologues and puts up. And we put photographs up there that you can go and see on that page, the treasures page, of all these incredible things that are there for you to uh, be educated and enjoy the inside story to many, many bits and pieces of our history in the United States and for for that part of the world. We also have individual pages pages like the Set VR uh, page, which is an incredible page that has all kinds of information, and it has a button. So if you want to investigate further, you can actually go to the page easily by using the button to go to the Set VR 
for Dr. Reggie Lee's information about that incredible, um, you know, futuristic, but now, you know, opportunity to train in a very unique way and a very effective way from home or anywhere. There are coming events page that have various things that are constantly updated, so you get a chance to know what's coming, especially things that are uh, sponsored or recommended by the um, Sports Karate Museum. One of the ones coming up in October 19th and 20th um, in Arizona is going to be the U.S. Action Martial Arts Film Festival, and uh, we also have uh, you know other things that will be coming up. And of course, one of the number one things coming up for us is in October the Legends event with Professor Gary Lee and all of the people that he's talking about that are going to be there. We're going to be honoring, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sensei uh, Jerry Smith, Grandmaster Jerry Smith. We're going to be honoring, you know, Karen Herdman. We're going to be honoring people like, uh, you know, dignitaries like, you know, uh, Grandmaster uh, Mike Stone and so many others. And, of course, we'll talk about that in more detail and have some of these individuals on following my time. But please, take the time to go to the page like it, go through the process of seeing all these pages. There's also a great deal of history about uh, the martial arts, uh, how they got to the United States from Japan. Uh, we're working on also uh, from Okinawa. We have information that's going to be coming out shortly about the Korean experience, and we'll have things about America and kickboxing in America so that, you know, don't miss it, get to it, enjoy it, and let us know by liking the page. And um, let us know, you know, uh, what interests you uh, through emails, and we'll go from there. And with that, I hand back the talking stick to uh, Dean, and there you go, sir. Thank you very much for the time. No, oh, you're very welcome. That was very informative. Uh, so, Professor, at this time, I'll give you the talking stick to bring on yes, your guests got, that you want to advertise uh, their I'm upcoming events. Slicer so the talking Jamie stick Jamie is yours, sir. Just a minute. But before I do, I got two more. Well, I actually got three. The the first one, did Kier or Leo get called in? Well, if they didn't call in, I will still speak for them. They are the Okay. I don't see him. I'm on the call list. I don't see him, no. Marshall Film Festival in Scottsdale, Arizona, October the 19th to the 22nd. They're going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of Bruce Lee's famous Warner Brothers Enter the Dragon along with 50 other films of some of the super martial art karate stars of our time. A few of my friends are going to be there. Don the Dragon Wilson, Ron Hall, Chi-Chi Ling, Cynthia Rothrock, Rick Avery, Billy Blank, Art Camacho, Eric Lee, just to name a few. So if you're in the area, Scottsdale, Arizona, October the 19th to the 22nd. You want to experience the first and hopefully annual United States Film Festival. And they'll be there at the Legends in October 6th and 7th 
and you'll actually be able to meet the producers we own here. So thank you for allowing us to be a part of your festival. Now, this next gentleman, I had the pleasure of helping setting up through my connections with the West Chase Marriott for him to put together his incredible weekend. And I'm talking about the United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame Weekend and Training Camp. My dear friend, Dr. John Terry. John, you there, big guy? I am here, sir. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your patience. You've got an incredible show. And to add to it, I get to let Oh, I get to introduce you because you're an amazing man. You've allowed the Sport Museum to be a big part of your journey, what you've done with Marty Kell. And I'm very proud to give you guys a five-star rating to the Sport Museum. With that said, tell my listeners what you got planned in July for everybody. I am so excited, Professor Lee, to be able to share with the audience. Here's what's going on. July 20, 21, 22, we are going to be at the same hotel where you host your event each year, the Marriott West Coast in Houston, and we're opening with a three-day training camp. Fifteen master-level instructors, each teaching a different martial arts discipline every hour. And over two and a half days, you're going to have an opportunity to be a white belt and take new things back to school that maybe you've never seen before or be introduced to something that you've trained in years ago and forgotten about. Uh, it's going to be an incredible group of folks. We've got Andy Kamura, which was the son of Taki. He is Bruce Lee's godson, is going to be our headliner this year. We've got an incredible lineup of incredible trainers that are going to be bringing a depth of martial arts that we haven't seen. This is our 24th year to do this, and we're very, very excited. Black Belt Testing Friday night. And then Saturday night is our Black Tide Banquet, where we're going to be honoring some incredible men and women, many of whom have been volunteering their time or working for little or nothing to take the martial arts that they love and teach it in inner cities, teaching it in churches and synagogues, teaching it in the backyards of their homes or in a boys' or a girls' club, and having an opportunity to impact and change hundreds of thousands of lives over the years, and no one's ever said thank you to them. So we're going to be honoring those individuals at our 24th United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame event Saturday night at the West Chase Marriott. Well, I, I, I got to say thank you, first of all, because I know that in October, you're going to be honoring and inducting Mr. Mike Stone into your United States Martial Arts Hall of Fame personally. That's yes, sir. Friday, and you're also going to be having a booth, and you're also going to be doing a seminar on Friday. Tell people about the black belt leadership that you do. Absolutely. You know, I believe if all we do as school owners and instructors is teach our children defense and teach them how to compete and win a trophy in a tournament, I don't believe we've truly made a black belt lead in life. I believe as school owners, we have a unique obligation and responsibility to not only teach these kids the physical aspects and the mental aspects of learning to be great martial artists, but also to learn those important character values that transition these kids from not just being just like everybody else, but learning what it means to become a black belt leader in life. 
to lead themselves well and make good choices and help them make the decisions early on in life that set them up for success. And that's what I'm going to be teaching at your uh, event is how to take these black belt leadership principles and to instill them into not just the students but the parents sitting in the audience, the instructors that are part of your staff, and helping them take their martial arts school to a different level. After all, if, if you're teaching martial arts and everybody else is teaching martial arts in town, how do you distinguish yourself? If you can bring something unique and different to the marketplace and not only help these kids learn to be great at the martial arts, but to become incredible at who they are and help them become the person that they were put on this earth to become, what is that in terms of a value proposition that you can take to the marketplace? Yes, sir. We're very proud to have you and uh, have you be a part of October. Very proud of the fact stepping up to honor. Mike Stone, and very proud personally, I'm a part of your Marshall Hall of Fame put in in the early 2000s. So God bless you, John Terry, and we'll see you real soon, I promise. Thank you for the, thank you for the opportunity, sir. been a great show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Dr. John Terry, the black belt leader. Now, one more, one more sponsor that's really incredible. And I'm very proud of this because if you haven't been introduced to virtual reality, the Sport Crowder Museum is right smack in the middle of technology. I'm working with a group that has invented a hologram that will kick your butt. And when you defeat it, and you will, the History General Portal will be in front of you. And you'll be able to learn the history of all the incredible people that we're talking about. But I've got the co-inventor on the line. He's a real doctor. He works from the hospital, saving lives every day. He's a nine-three black belt. I mean, the Sport Card Museum of History General. He'll be there in October with his other co-inventor. And they'll have the headset. You'll be able to experience. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll let him tell you all about it because he's so much smarter than me. <laughs> Dr. Reginald Lee, are you there, sir? Yes, I am. Good evening, sir. How are you? What a show. Another great, great show. Another amazing show. Book. But explain to people, Reggie. What exactly set VR is? Yes. Imagine wanting to continue to practice your skills in self-defense to practice anytime, anywhere, when you want, and even when you travel. With the Oculus Rift or Oculus Quest headset, your travel bag, take it where you travel, and you do just as that with the set VR application. With set VR, you will not be outside looking into our program. With set VR, self-defense enhancement training in virtual reality, You'll be actually immersed, immersed into a simulation program whereby a hologram will attack you when you least expect it for a sudden and random attack. You'll be moving 360 degrees in a cutting-edge program, just like the military and the police has their simulation program. This is a simulation for martial arts for self-defense. We've chosen a dark alleyway where bad things usually happen. The hologram will get into your personal space prior to the attack, create a adrenaline effect. During this adrenaline surge, the fight or flight mode 
is whereby one would normally have a momentary pause, losing about 35-40% of what they've been taught, and whereby utilizing muscle memory or reflex response would be your only and best course to engage and to neutralize. Professor Garley, you always talk about metaphors. This is the metaphor, placing your hand on a hot stove, developing that reflex response. We have a demonstration of this program on your website, Professor Garley, also on the United States Hall of Fame website platform with Dr. John Terry. This program is also to be utilized to practice the art of moving, to move angular, linear, and circular. Another metaphor, if a car, train, or bus was coming to you, hopefully you'd be moving out the way. Practice the art of Kaisabaki, to place you in a position of advantage for neutralization or just to avoid the attack. With the Oculus Rift or Oculus Quest headset, you'll be transported to a virtual reality platform where a hologram will confront and attack you with least expected with random attacks. The goal is to be able to neutralize the attack threat that is sudden, unpredictable, and random to improve your skills in invasion through angular, linear, or circular movements to place you in an upright position of an advantage for neutralization as you practice to improve your skills in timing, speed, and accuracy to develop muscle memory and the goal of developing a reflex response to a threat or stimulus to neutralize without hesitation, just as I mentioned before, placing your hand on a hot stove, developing that reflex response. This is a platform where you continue to practice what you've been taught in college and form in our application program against a random attack to practice anytime, anywhere, when you want. We're implementing a program of mindfulness of stretching, meditation exercise, and we'll also present you with your own personal yoga instructor. Our website is setvr.app. We continue to be proud to endorse Professor Gary Lee of the Sports Karate Museum to be the future platform of his vision of the Sports Karate Museum and virtuality in the history portal. We have introduced Professor Gary Lee at the entrance history portal as the Wisdom Warrior. But before meeting the Wisdom Warrior, one must neutralize the hologram attacker at the gate of the history portal and then be brought back into the courtyard, into the courtyard to be introduced to the core history journal. With that being said, Professor Gary, a few words about your vision of the Sports Karate Museum and virtualized with that VR. Well, my vision is very simple, Reggie. Elders, respect in education. And we're gonna be starting with a core group, a core group of individuals that have helped change sport quality as we know it. And then we'll be able to add a new history journal occasionally. The core group in not any particular order is Judge Roy Kerman, the inventor of the two-point kick rule around the world. Mr. George Minshew, the man that created the Karate Olympics, one of the big top six tournaments in America, and the first man, producer, to give away a gold ring competition. Chris Minshew, an NBL world champion. And then Mr. Mike Dillard, the owner of Century Martial Arts Supply, the largest martial arts supply company in the world. And he also happens to own Black Belt Magazine. So with that core group, we're going to introduce introduce the History General Portal. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you so much for what you do. And I look forward to seeing you and Rick in October. God bless you, big guy. Now, you're welcome. Now to continue on the voices. 
I got two more incredible people. This lady, she's a PKL world, well, not world champion. She's a national champion. But she's a world champion to me. Anyway, <laughs> she's a kung fu and karate practitioner. And she trains short karate, and she now trains extensively in kung fu. Now, she'll be teaching a Tai Chi seminar at the Legend this year in October, Advanced Technique and Beginner Technique. And she also will have a booth. That said, bring on an opinionated lady without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> we call her Auntie. Because <laughs> in Hawaii, when you say someone, Auntie or Uncle, they are Ohana. Auntie, Terrence Blacker. Hey, Auntie, how you doing? Good. How are you? What a show. Lots of wisdom. Oh, I'm still mopping up from, uh, yeah. Uh, that was, um, I believe, uh, Tom Spellman who was talking about uh, Ito Shimabuka Sensei. I believe it was yeah. him. Uh, he is one. He is my great grandmaster, and uh, my system comes down from the Okinawan, the Okinawan Marines that were taught out there during the 70s and 80s. And so I understood he was saying, "My teacher." You know, I think it was I think it was Uncle Jerry. That train in Okinawa. And no, Tom, I'm talking Tom, about Tom, the. Uh, I'm talking about the honor and the legacy of Isu Shimabuku and this planting yes. of the seed. Okay. I'm sure that was. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was magnificent, and uh, I'm still trying to get my voice back because I understand and I feel the same way. We've been given such rich history of the people we've trained with, and every one of them hopes that we will still talk about them. And, and still honor them and still teach our students about them. And I, I have three that I keep alive, you know, that I talk to all the time to, to my students and try to tell them what the forms I'm teaching them, where that came from and where I was at that time. You know, because building a legacy, you have to have memory, you have to have history, and you have to have receipts. You have to have the, the certificates and the, the stories. And, and like I did train with Joe Lewis many, many times over a course of three years. And uh, I learned so much from him. And I don't think he'd remember me in a million years, uh, but maybe. But I just enjoyed, I love greatness. I love talent. And this, you know, Joe Lewis had incredible talent. Bill Wallace, oh my God, such talent. And then I met my Kung Fu teacher and he just, absolutely opened different doors for me and his life was tragic very tragic he wound up living with me for four years and with my family and uh his family had been murdered all of them and you know he didn't care anymore but the art the martial arts were the only thing that kept him going it was his only love he had nothing right. for anybody else and so and peter urban tragic same kind of life and Sunyata Saraswati, all of these people that I, I trained with came and stayed with me for a while because that's what I feel a student does. You feed your teacher. If he has nowhere yes. to sleep, you give him a pillow. And I learned so much more than anybody in the class because we had breakfast together. We had coffee. You know what I mean? There was that, the wonderful downtime 
that happens when you are taking care of someone you love like that. So for yeah. me, it's all about the history. It's all about keeping more than just the kata alive, more than just the technique, but keeping their story alive and honoring that. We just feel, I, every birthday in my classes, uh, my teacher's birthday, we talk about them because I'm, I could go tomorrow. They have, to, they have to know this stuff, and we have to have our art recorded. It has to be. There is no excuse now with videos that the forms and everything can't be on film, and we owe that to the future. Yeah. We have to have spiritual students, not just not just fighters anymore. We need soul. They need soul, and that's kata is the soul and the history. So that's what I do. I work hard to keep their story alive and make them write their own story also. Yes, you do, and you're a big, 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 big part of the Sport Karate Museum that we <laughs> created a few years back, and you're a history journal, even though you're a Lady of Distinction, which you're going to be honoring this October, you're a general. You're a wisdom warrior. And I love you so much, Carrie. Oh, thank you. I love you, Uncle Gary. Well, you bet. Ladies and gentlemen, this last person of the voices, he, he is a big part of the reason why I'm even here in Texas. Inspiration. He is someone I've known since he was in large belt. But he trained with one of my best friends who we lost last year, the great Fred Simon. But now he's a black belt, and he also is the president of the largest sport karate association in Texas, known as the AOK. Now, all that is cool. What's really cool about him to me is He's won the MVP of Texas over five times, the Golden Greek. It took me 17 years when just one. He's won over five. He's an incredible teacher, has one of the largest karate schools in Houston, has one of the largest karate tournaments in Texas. My dear friend, and we call him D.E., but he's better known as Master David Chambers. D.E., you there, big guy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I think the last or best, I guess. Anyway, Uh-oh. legacy. Share with my listeners your vision of legacy. Mr. David Chambers. I feel like I believe a legacy should be something that you can hang your hat on. Something that you can say, well, yes, I was a part of it and I changed lives and it was strong enough to say, yes, I remember, I remember, I remember. And that's what it's about. It's about that memory. And uh, I'm blessed again. I had a great instructor. and. I look at how he changed my life, how he changed what I'm doing. We had a rank test today. We had about four brown belts testing. And Grandmaster Billy Singletary, who was the successor of, of, of Master Simon, Grandmaster Simon, he was overseeing the rank test. So that was fantastic. 
we had some grandmaster black belt, Simon Black belt there. The beautiful thing because I'm doing a rank test with my grandmaster and some of my classmates as they watching the work that I'm doing. Well, my work comes from Grandmaster Simon. Point being that that legacy goes on. Uh, now, the next part of it is what is the legacy? Now, the legacy is not about just teaching classes, not about making money, not about growing. That's a good part of it. But the number of kids that walked up to me after and said, my mother want to say thank you because I'm a better person. When that number is large, I feel like that's what a real legacy is about. I'm a better person because we've done some things together. And so I want to, I want that to be <clears throat> the legacy that I have. That yes, I changed somebody's life to make them better. That's what I hope for. That's what I pray for. That's what my endeavor is. Well, you're an incredible person and you're part of the voices wisdom on a Thursday night. I wish you a very, very successful and happy 4th of July, D.E., and I hope to talk to you real soon. Okay, big guy? Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that completes the voices, the incredible men and women that I put together, and we want to say a big shout-out to Mr. James E. Moore, because he'll be back next week. And he is a big member of The Voices. That includes Professor Tom Spellman, David Chambers, Terry Slatter, Jerry Smith, and James E. Moore. And with that said, I want to turn it back over with the talking stick over to the incredible Wolverine. Wolverine? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Professor, I guess that closes out our show. It was an awesome show as always. Lots of awesome knowledge. And I just want to say to everyone, happy 4th of July because, I, you know, I won't uh, be talking to you guys uh, before that. However, I am going to be uh, giving Mr. Jerry Smith a call Thank you, uh, probably tomorrow and if again, I can get a chance there, sir. So uh, I'll be doing that to, to talk with you more. So, um yeah, so that, that's it, Professor. So I'll hand you the talking stick so you can close out the show. So we can have the legend show. And also to the incredible voices. Happy 4th of July. And I wish you guys the best. All our sponsors here, Leo, Dr. Lee, and Dr. John Terry. Happy 4th of July. And next week we got a great show. On Thursday, but you know what? We're excited about celebrating our country's freedom. And we want to say thank you to all the servicemen out there far and on shore that protect us so we can sleep good at night. And with that said, thank you. Thank you so much, Wolverine Nation. And we'll see you next week. Mahalo and aloha. Good night, everybody.
Good night, everyone. Good to Good talk night, to everyone. you. Good night, everyone. Fourth of July. Same to you. Good night, everybody. Okay, Danana, hey. Host of Shinoe. <laughs>